This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 499 of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. My name is Matt Baum. And I'm the internet's Joe Patrick. On this week's episode, Matt and I are reviewing a ton of this week's comics like The Dreaming Number 1 and Border Town Number 1, both from the new Vertigo Comics. After that, we'll review eight more of this week's new titles during the ludicrous speed round. Then we'll descend to the bowels of the ziggurat to visit the teaching Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll discuss our must-read picks for next Wednesday. And finally, it's time for our Take a Look, It's in a Book segment, where we'll be reviewing the new Yellow Submarine graphic novel coming this week from Titan Comics. So grab a seat in this dunking booth, because we're going to start chucking all manner of nerdy references at your target, I guess. Does that even work? Yeah, you're going to get dunked. I don't know. We better talk about this week's nerd news. You sounded like Zorak there for a second. Oh, I was getting all evil. Were you like knifing around? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, as we uh, alluded to on last week's episode. Or at least brought up. That's what alluded to means. Yeah, Brian sure. Michael Bendis and Michael Avon Oming's powers will be returning under the new Jinx World imprint at DC Entertainment, but not in single issues. Oming announced on Twitter that the series would resume in graphic novel format. And only at Walmart. No. <laughs> God, I wish Powers was a Walmart-only graphic novel. <laughs> uh, this follows similar decisions by creators like Kurt Busiek, uh, who is doing it for Astro City. There are a couple of Images titles doing it as well, Moonstruck and Motor Crush. Uh, Newsrama talked to these guys who said, quote, we're not doing it because of sales issues. We're doing it because our fans waited a long time for this, and we thought they would appreciate the direct download of the story instead of installments this time. Uh, that was Bendis talking. He made no mention of the fact that sometimes installments were eh, quite a ways apart. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they're both busy guys, but this makes sense. This is like the Netflix of comic books, where rather than doling out one episode of your TV show, you know, a week, here's... All of it. Sit down. Binge it. Get it out of your system. Sure. And I don't think it's a bad idea at all. Well, really. Bendis also said that this upcoming story is less of a, it's less mystery and cliffhanger based. Okay. So like there's not as much emphasis on like single chapters ending on a certain note, right? Sure. Sure. But I don't know, man. Like speaking for, for us at Legend at the time, Power's sales were dwindling pretty low. And I don't know if that's just because of the frequency. I think it's the frequency. It was grotesquely late. Like if people were just buying it in trades. Yeah, it was just grotesquely late. And people that wanted to read it were just reading the trades because they knew they could get a full story there. I think this makes perfect sense. And if it will get out an entire story in one shot, great. Perfect. That's how we should do it. And then put out another one when you have time to do it. Doesn't matter. We're not waiting 
We're not forgetting what was going on because it's been so goddamn long. They're not jumping from company to company to company while they're doing it. I mean, there was, it was like an image and then it was at an icon and they, like it was hard to keep track of where it was. And they relaunched it like three on. times. Uh, like, yeah. I can't, I can't remember the last comic. Uh, I can't remember the last issue of Powers that I read. And even if I could look at the covers for each individual volume post image, I wouldn't be able to identify it. Now, the thing is, the thing that I'm worried about, I guess, is is powers too far gone in the sense that it's gotten so far away from where it started and been relaunched so many times. How are they going to bring that excitement back to the book? Because when it switched to like the FBI powers, it kind of lost me. I, I just I cared about Walker and Dina Pilgrim. And when they got away from that, it was hard for me to really care anymore. And you introduced like a new partner. I can't remember. I can't even remember her name. I didn't care. Uh, Detective Sunrise was her name. Was that her name? Yeah. I don't remember her first name, but I think her last name was Sunrise. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for this if they can recapture the lightning in the bottle, but they got to get it. And they've got to sell me on powers again because I don't care about powers anymore. Well, I mean, this might be the shakeup that they need. I hope so. I hope it is because it was a great book. It was a fantastic read. Maybe doing it as a long form thing will like recharge their creative juices. Yeah. And maybe it'll just, maybe it'll be like a jumpstart for fans and creators alike. That's best case scenario. And if you want the monthly, you've got, you know, uh, we'll talk about it in this show, Murder Incorporated or the United States versus Murder Incorporated with this same thing. According to these dorks, the first graphic novel is already drawn, but they have not solicited yet. Probably smart. The Get the thing was, completely finished. I don't think the issue was oming. I think the issue was Bendis being too busy. Uh, maybe that could I be. Feel, I feel like oming can like fire this stuff out. So I mean, he did do other things during those long breaks. So speaking of long breaks and needing a series back, Joe, rest easy. The Guardians of the Galaxy are returning. <laughs> The Thanos team of Donny Cates and artist Jeff Shaw are reuniting to relaunch Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy in 2019. They haven't even been gone that long. No, they haven't. They were gone for two months before they popped back up in this giant Infinity Wars thing. So yeah. I would argue they weren't gone at all. The announcement was made in an advanced press copy of this Wednesday's Thanos Legacy Number 1, which Marvel sent out to some press outlets for an early announcement. Not us, jackasses. Not, well, we're not that cool. What do you want? Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw will soon reveal. Hashtag, who are the guardians? Reads the text at the end of the issue, followed by a two-page spread featuring over 35 Marvel cosmic characters. The image includes characters from the most recent Guardians of the Galaxy team, Cosmo, Smasher, the original 1969 team, Howard the Duck, Adam Warlock, Eros, a.k.a. Star Fox. I would argue that Eros is an even more grotesque name for Star Fox. I don't even know why they're not calling him Star Fox because nobody knows he's named Eros. No, it's so gross, too. The Star Jammers, fucking awesome. The Shire Imperial Guard, Wraith, Beta Ray Bill, Nova, Super Scroll, Silver Surfer, Moon Dragon, Cosmic Ghost Rider, and of course... Galacticus. Dude, Eros is not a gross name. It's from Greek mythology. It's still gross. I don't like it. <laughs> I'm Eros. Mm. Ew, yuck, no. I mean, he is kind of creepy. 
Kate's Thanos Legacy Number 1 story with artists Brian Level and Jordan Boyd included cosmic ghostwriter Thanos and Eros and could possibly act as a lead-in to this new Guardians of the Galaxy series. I don't uh, think it's even quite just, a possibility. That's what's happening. This just in, there was a story out today where Jeff, uh, where Donny Cates confirmed yeah. that Thanos Legacy is a direct tie-in to the relaunch of Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's pretty obvious. I don't yeah. think there's any way around it. Thanos Legacy goes on sale Wednesday, September 5th. That's, uh, that's... Yesterday, by the time you hear this. It's true. (laughs) Honestly, we don't know where we are in the time stream, so. I think Donnie Cates and Jeff Shaw are going to kick ass on this book. And one thing Donnie Cates has shown is that he's not afraid to go completely berserk with this cosmic stuff. I mean, if nothing else, just look at what goes on in the pages of Cosmic Ghost Rider. And this is a wonderful team for this book. I feel like Bendis' run and Duggan's run were fine. But it just sort of felt like they were treading water and trying to give you, hey, you like the movie? Here's a little more of that in that same spirit. Let's I, go fucking crazy with it, man. Let's I go th- totally nuts. I thought Bendis's run was tame to the point of boredom uh, because they were trying so hard to toe that Hollywood line. See, I thought it started pretty strong, but yes, it got boring pretty I quick. Thought, uh, I thought Duggan's run was decent, uh, especially was when, when Aaron Cooter came on board. The art um, was great. I'll give him that. But Jeff Shaw, what are Jeff Shaw's the artist who I do love, but Donnie Cates, I've really loved what he's done with Thanos. Cosmic Ghost Rider is bonkers and I love it. And Thanos Legacy number one was really good too. So it seems like they're just handing him the keys to the cosmic you and great. I can't think of anybody better to do it at Marvel currently. No, I agree. <laughs> Deep sigh. Scott Snyder is bringing Starman back to DC comics in the pages of Justice League. What's more, he says that multiple versions of the hero are returning, including Ted Knight, the original Starman from the Justice Society, as oh, as part of the storyline. Okay. <laughs> Here's a quote that Snyder gave to CBR. Starman comes into it soon. All this crazy stuff comes in. End quote. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Okay. Here's a little bit more. Were they chasing him when he did this? It sounds like he was on a golf cart driving away and they were like, Mr. Snyder, can you give us a quote? And he was like, Will, Starman, comes into it soon. All this crazy stuff comes in. <laughs> he's coming. He's coming. Just like that. He just drives away. <laughs> I don't want to give too much away because there are plans for different versions of Starman in different places, Snyder so time explained. time travel. Time travel. No, I think he means... They're bringing Ted back. Golden Age Starman. Starman back. Yeah, but Justice, Justice Society stuff is rearing its head in Doomsday Clock. I know. So, Time like, travel. we're not talking about a single character. There are many different Starmen. I get it. He goes on to say the JSA stuff is going to be going on with Ted Knight in some ways, and I don't want to give too much away. I will just say that in Justice League 7, which came out this Wednesday... You will start to see that story begin to unfold and he becomes a player. The story begin to unfold. Got it. Thanks. It's the prelude (laughs) to the beginning of the story, which is about to unfold. Apparently. And he becomes a player along with Starro, who uh, died in Justice League Ain't No Justice No More. That's right. Spoiler alert. Uh, So. I have read Justice League 7 because it came out at, it came out in between me writing this story and us recording this story. Fair enough. I have many feelings because Starman is like a number one near and dear to my heart. 
Yeah. And, and something that I just don't need like, touched anymore. You've got like, Starman tattoos on your body. I know. And I just don't need it to come. I, I'm so nervous about it. I feel the same way that I feel like when they made that last Indiana Jones film where I just yeah, went right. in knowing I'm not going to love it. I'm just not going to. Well, with that attitude. You're not going to recapture it. You can't. You don't need to. Don't do it. Okay. <laughs> now, I will, I will say this in defense of the idea. There are many different versions of Starman, uh, some of which barely got touched in the James Robinson run. I cannot hear and anything. I'm not saying there's not room to explore those concepts. And given what happened in Justice League 7, I'm not as apprehensive about it as I was when I read this story. But... They are on thin fucking ice. <laughs> I'm telling you, if Scott Snyder messes this up, I'm out. I'm burning all my Justice League comics. I just don't know. I, I just don't know. I trust these guys. So far, I've been having a lot of fun with Justice League, and it's going to tie into the JSA coming back, which we're both thrilled about, and they just this, need to okay. be really careful. They okay. need to be really fucking careful with this, you know? This, like, I don't even know if James Robinson, if they said James Robinson is bringing the star man that you love back, I would say, no, please don't. No, I agree. Um, I don't think, uh, you're right, I agree. I like. I, I don't want them to bring back Jack Knight. His story yeah. is over. It ended. Yes. So far, it doesn't look like they are. But, yeah. the, like I said, the star man mythos is very close to my heart. And Yeah, it's too close. That's a problem. It's, it's too close. I have a, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time judging this objectively. Agreed. We'll see, though. Here we, it's coming whether you like it or not. Yeah, brace yourself. Here we go. Uh, real quick, wanted to touch on the unexpected passing of both Marie Severin and Gary Friedrich, two comic book industry legends. Yeah. Marie Severin was a staple of the Marvel bullpen in the 60s, like w- w- way up into the 80s. Uh, and she is a tremendous, talented artist. I thought this was fun when I looked her up. She co-created the Living Tribunal. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Which is, yeah, really cool. Yeah, um, I love the Living Tribunal. Yeah, like, <laughs> she's she was such a great talent and a huge force at Marvel. Uh, she was, of course, elderly, and, and you know, these things happen. Uh, Gary Friedrich is the co-creator of Ghost Rider. Yeah. Um, he very famously a few years back had a lawsuit with Marvel because they weren't like crediting him properly or like paying him properly, considering the fact that Ghost Rider made it into movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, and they ended up settling out of court. He had been sick. He was not that much. Old. He was younger than Marie Severin, if I recall. I believe you're right. He's been sick for quite a while, though. He had had a lot of health problems, right? Yeah. Um, Marie Severin had had a number of strokes. And yeah, it's just a shame. These two were hugely impactful on comics and their work is still felt today. Uh, you know, so give a shout out to your comic book elders. Make a donation to the Hero Initiative. Pour a little bit of your uh, drink out. Yeah, pour, uh, you know, sign up for the Mary Marvel Marching Society. Rest Do in something. Power, soul Sister and Soul Brother, Mary Severin and Gary Frederick. That is your nerd news for the week, but there's still plenty to hoot and holler about, kitties. So hit us up on the THN forums over in that big news section, or better yet, call us every Saturday from 11.30 to 12.30 Central Standard Time and talk to us live on THN 
cover to cover. It's your nerdy call-in show. We can't do it without you. Here's how it works. We broadcast on our Facebook channel live. So you can hear all the other calls and you can respond to all the jerks that come in or you can just completely derail the show. Regardless, call us at 402-819-4894 or can't do it live you can leave us a message and we will play it on the show and make fun of you or you can also send us an mp3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com it's not quite as cool saturday cartoons but it just might make you internet famous it's review time in the ziggurat matt you won the off the air green lantern ring arm wrestling contest so you get to start us off to clarify, that way. means that we generated arms with Green Lantern rings and then used them to arm wrestle. Yeah, yeah. Well, you generated an arm. I used my pink ring and I generated something else. <whistles> this week, I am reviewing... That is disgusting! My review is The Dreaming, number one from DC Vertigo, written by Cy Spurrier with art by Bilkis Evely, cover by Jay Lee, 32 pages for three ninety nine. Following the footsteps of Neil Gaiman, or anyone that's worked on any part of the Sandman universe, has got to be both an honor and a friggin' nightmare. Imagine Star Wars fans that were also Proust scholars, and you begin to understand what kind of job Spurrier was walking into. I loved the 1996 Dreaming series because it fleshed out characters that we met all too briefly in gaming Sandman series, and the new series follows suit. We're dropped right back into the bizarre patchwork kingdom of the Dreaming, but yet again, Dream, the Sandman, and King of the Dreaming has vanished. While he's gone, the Warden Lucian has been left in charge, but he's doubting his abilities as substitute king as the cracks in the kingdom are literally beginning to show. Spurrier's story captures all the fairy tale weirdness of Game and Sandman and the lunacy of the Dreaming, but there's still a heart to the story as well. I really enjoy the new Dora character. She is a monstrous with the ability to travel between realms. Dora brings this punk rock sensibility to the book as she does some fairly shitty things to make her life a little more comfortable while not realizing how dangerous her actions are for the kingdom. She's feisty, she's funny, and she's a really nice addition. Bilkis Evely, though, is the real star of this book with some really impressive layered and textured art that gives the story the otherworldly fairy tale feel that it needs. I can't believe how far she has come in an artist in a relatively short time. I am really happy to see her on a book like this. Joe complained about the Sandman U not being very new reader friendly. And while I agree, I also kind of like the decision to make these books for real Sandman fans. That same oh, criticism. No. Listen, man, <laughs> tread lightly. Hey, I'm saying it. That same criticism certainly applies here. It's not exactly new reader friendly, but I would argue this isn't another Avengers book. This is Spurrier and Evely drawing on a very deep well of more than 20 years of amazing storytelling, and it should be dense. If you want to get on board, you might need to do some homework first. And you know what? You fucking should. The Sandman universe is incredible, and I think this is a great addition to it, and I'm giving it a buy it. All right, listen, let me address that last little tirade you just went on. The idea that, like, it should be for quote-unquote real Sandman fans is some gatekeeping nonsense, dude. I, I you don't want to put out a you don't want to put out a new number one relaunching a flagship title from a flailing imprint and cut out 80% of your potential audience. I'm I don't think they're doing that. And I don't think it's 
I think it's one of those things where you can jump into this as a new reader if you wanted to and go, God, this is bizarre, but there is a story here and I am interested. Right. And I'm saying that they could have taken a page or two and done a little bit of exposition explaining what is the dreaming? Who is Sandman? Why is it important that he's gone? These are like basic things that they do not even tell you. They I don't even the, really tell you. I disagree. I think they, they laid it out pretty well when they discussed they don't. the kingdom. They discussed that the boss is yes. not there. It's a they kingdom discuss- and the boss is missing. That's all yeah. you know. That's all you really need to know. It's an otherworldly place. The guy that runs it is not here. When they he's not drop- here, bad stuff happens. Shit falls apart. They said they reference they reference the 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 hall of portraits and the endless without explaining what the endless are. They Look drop in all of the obscure Side characters like Merv Pumpkinhead and Eve, they don't explain their roles there. And that's what happened kind of in this book, except for Dora, who is the main focus. Right. Like, I think I felt like they barely explained what Lucian's role is. You called him the warden. He's not a warden. He's a librarian. He's a librarian. And while the king is gone, he is the warden of the kingdom. But why? Why is he the warden of the kingdom? He's just a librarian. Why is it? dream left him in charge. Why is it Merv? The because the warden. Why isn't Matthew the Raven, who they also didn't explain, the you warden? You can't trust Merv. Merv's always been a problem. I really like that character, but he's a shifty guy. I'm he saying knows you can trust Lucian. <laughs> I'm saying that after 20 plus years, they needed to take some time to better establish this world, and this book didn't do it. And I understand like your pride about being a real Sandman fan and how you were able to bounce into it, and how back in my day I had to do my homework, damn it. And I get it. Yeah, but that's not how things are done these days. I don't I I get what you're saying. I totally understand what you're saying, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing or a curse for the book. I think it's cool. I'm not. And if it doesn't sell and it fails, then it was a failed experiment. But I liked it. No, I liked it. Hey, man, that's bad. You can't have it both ways. You can't (laughs) say I like you can't say, well, I liked it. I did this way. But well, if it fails, it fails. No. (laughs) No, if it fails, I was wrong for now. I like it. And I, I'm telling you, was, you're I wrong. Cool. I'm saying like, it was very good. I enjoyed it quite a lot. The art is beautiful and I love the world of Sandman. I love the dreaming. I love all the side characters. I'm giving this book a skim it because if I was a new reader, even if all I'd read up to this point, even if I'd read Sandman universe, number one, the prelude, I would still have been lost because they don't do enough to establish what's happening. All they do, they, they barely explain, they barely touch on where they are, and then it immediately goes into Dora and what's up with her. And that's fine if she's the lead, but there's too much going on for them not to set it up. Mm. It's a skim it. It's a skim it from Mr. Inclusionary Social Justice Warrior Joe Patrick. I see what's yeah, going on. Yeah, welcome to 2018. Why don't you go, <laughs> yeah, why don't you go join Comicsgate? <laughs> Neil Gaiman's on our side. We learned that this week. That is a <laughs> not true. I thought that was hilarious, by the way. That was very funny. Joe Patrick, moving right on to another Vertigo book. Why don't you tell us about Border Town? All right. Border Town, number one, also from Vertigo, written by Eric M. Esquivel with art by Ramon Villalobos. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Don't miss the start of this all-new ongoing Vertigo series by writer... 
already named, and artist already named. When a crack in the border between worlds releases an army of monsters from Mexican folklore, the residents of Devil's Fork, Arizona, blame the ensuing weirdness, the shared nightmares, the otherworldly radio transmissions, the mysterious goat mutilations on, quote, God dang it, legals. With racial tensions supernaturally charged, it's up to new kid in town Frank Dominguez and a motley crew of high school misfits to discover what's really going on in this town torn between worlds. I will say one thing for Border Town number one. It is not going to win over too many fans in Arizona. That's fine. Arizona's a bass backwards piece of shit state, and I'm sorry if you live there, okay? Yeah. <laughs> there uh, you go. Writer Eric Esquivel doesn't pull any punches depicting the state's less savory qualities, including, but not limited to, openly hostile gun-toting racists, white supremacists, not necessarily the same thing. You can be racist and not white supremacist. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can be like uh, a Jewish kid that hates Canadians, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, uh, in, the Venn, in the Venn diagram, it would be like, all white supremacists are racist, but not all racists are white supremacists. Exactly. Oh, also, there's giant flesh-eating boars, which is fun. Uh, I didn't know that that was a real thing. They're called javelinas. Yeah, they're a real thing, but they're not necessarily flesh-eating. They were just they're scavengers, and there was dead people that they ate this time. Yeah, that means they eat flesh. Thank well, you. Yeah, I mean, but every scavenger does. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But that is not the least of the problems besetting the small town of Devil's Fork. The barrier between dimensions located conveniently along the U.S.-Mexico border has been breached, releasing creatures that mimic the worst nightmares of their victims. And Frank arrives with his family just in time to see it all go down. Esquivel fills the book with a bunch of interesting characters for Frank to bounce off of. There's stealth skinhead Blake, aspiring luchador Quinte, and best friends Amy and Julieta, who ends up putting her own safety on the line to save Frank's life. I think she's All, Julieta. Okay, Julieta, sure. <laughs> Pretty sure. All of the characters are likable from the start, and I really enjoyed the banter between them all. Even Blake seems okay at first, until he reveals his true nature and gets what's coming to him. As the monsters start to infiltrate Devil's Fork, Esquivel ramps up the mystery by introducing the one character that may be the key to everything. There's an awesome oh shit moment where Frank reveals that there's more to him that meets the eye. And the last page of this issue is amazing. I can't say enough though about the art by Ramon Villalobos. He draws with an insane Frank Quietly level of detail you see every wrinkle, scar, and blemish on each character's face and hands. He packs in a number of Easter egg references to DC and Vertigo properties like Wonder Woman, Constantine, Zatanna, Sandman, the Black Mercy plant was in there, Aztec. Yeah, it was all uh, there. There was a few more that looked familiar, but I couldn't identify them. He also does a fantastic job establishing locations with rich backgrounds. And color artist Tamara Bonvillain fills the art with warm hues that enhance the line work and it really accentuates the southwestern setting. There's a lot of like soft reds and oranges and yellows. It was like a Tex-Mex restaurant exploded in there. <laughs> Border Town number one is a comic done in the best Vertigo tradition. It's a crazy supernatural tale that touches on a lot of real world issues with biting wit, smart writing, phenomenal art. Between this book and what we've seen so far of the Sandman universe so far, I'm not hating on it, despite what I said last review. 
I think the Vertigo relaunch is off to a really great start. I'm giving Border Town a buy it. Yeah, I'm giving it a buy it as well. I, I thought it was really well written and I really enjoyed like that twist on the main character where it turns out, well, maybe he's not the doe-eyed, you know, fish out of water that we thought he was. <laughs> and he could be a problem later on, <laughs> judging by Oh yeah, that was saw. such a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> but like also very violent. I'll say that. Um, the monsters were cool. I like that it's sort of a Dijin type thing where we identify them as certain things. But they're sort of these shape-changing creatures from another dimension. I think they specifically referred to them as Chupacabra. Well, one of them was called Chupacabra. Oh, you think it was a name? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's their race. Yeah, that could be. Maybe we're the... Maybe we're the dummies that don't know who chupacabras are. Do you ever think about that? Oh man, huh? maybe it's maybe it's like the Walking Dead, and we're the chupacabras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they're not just the goat suckers, and that's us. We put them in a in a box. That's our fault, you know. Regardless, Ramon Villalobos. I forgot how good this guy is, and he needs oh, to yeah. work more. He is so solid here. His monsters are great. His weird skeletal demons and shit or kick ass. This is yeah. a lot of fun. I'm giving it a huge buy it. And you know what? This is a nice high profile book for him. And, uh, Hey, his Twitter feed is a great follow. He is a great follow. Yeah. So yeah. He, loves, he loves Mexican wrestling too. So he's my kind of guy. So that is a buy it and a skim it. A strong skim it for the Dreaming number one and a double buy it for Border Town number one. We'll post our written reviews over at twoeditnerd.com so you nerds can use them to smear our good name years from now. And you creators, put our quotes on your books. That's all we want. Do it. I've had my quote on two books now. Poor Joe. None. Zero. Two no, zero. I had my Scoreboard. quote on a book. Scoreboard, you said two to one. Scoreboard. <laughs> name the two books. I can't remember, but it's two. I own them both. Liar. They sent them to me. Of course, we want to hear from you, too. Call us, email us, tweet at us, post to our Facebook, send us some tweets. I said that already. Yes. Whatever you want to do, we want to know what you thought of this week's comics. Oh, THN Forums, of course. That's a great place for it. Totally. It's kickoff weekend, and whether you love it or hate it, football is going to be a part of your life for the next 16 goddamn weeks, which means I'll be ignoring Joe and my ziggurat chores to make sure my fantasy team beats the man who can't be stopped, Mr. Roderick Roof, on my opener this weekend. So sit back and listen to the excitement while I compare stats, trade players, and worry about backfield matchups while we review eight more comics during... A ludicrous speed round. Ludicrous speed! Go! God forbid you just do it for fun to interact with your friends and That's listeners. That's not how it works, dude. You have to have James Bond origin game. number one from Dynamite. <laughs> Jeff Parker isn't a name I've seen much of lately, but he's back and was writing Young James Bond with an artist by Bob Q, who is just friggin' fantastic, by the way. Young James young- Bond, not to be confused with James Bond Jr., Okay, we meet a who, young James. Who was James Bond's nephew, not his son. <laughs> what was that from? A cartoon in the 90s. Oh, God. 
We meet a young James Bond in the military prep school as Germany is beginning the WWII bombings of the UK. Parker's story feels like a BBC war drama. Q is just great. I can't stress it enough in his action scenes. I've really enjoyed all the Bond stuff at Dynamite, and this new series looks like more high-quality 007 storytelling. I'm giving it a buy it. Kim Reaper, Vampire Island, number one, from Oni. Sounds like a kid's show. Yeah. Kim is a part-time Grim Reaper. Her perfectly human girlfriend, Becca, and her perfectly human best friend are obsessed with the latest teen vampire drama on TV. Naturally, they convince Kim to take them to a party on Vampire Island where nothing can possibly go wrong. Sarah Grayley's art has sort of an Adventure Time vibe to it, and the story is enjoyable and sweet. Very sweet. Almost too sweet for a cranky bastard like me. I can definitely see the appeal and Grayley does a great job. I just don't think Kim Reaper is the kind of book that I would stick with personally. I'm giving it a strong skimmit. I would describe it as twee. Sure. It's too adorable for me too. Alright, it's just too cute. Couldn't handle it. <laughs> Gun Cats, number one from Action Lab, Danger Zone. The Gun Cats are two female bounty hunters in a fairly typical future sci-fi story that sees the two taking down an alien baddie way above their pay grade. Guncats feels like a solid effort from new creators, and it has some solid moments. The art was a little sparse at times, but it kept the story moving well. Guncats has the potential to grow into something fun if it can survive the dreaded first 12 issues. I'm giving it a skimmit. Silver Surfer Annual, number one from Marvel. Writer Ethan Sachs, artist Andre Lima Araujo, and colorist Chris O'Halloran deliver a 40-page love letter to Mobius. In this one-shot story set prior to the surfer's first appearance, don't let the awful Philip Tan cover fool you. This is everything an annual should be. A great standalone story. Breathtaking art. I cannot stress that enough. It's gorgeous. And it's got a story that you can just jump into with no prior knowledge of the character. Give me more like this, Marvel, please. Silver Surfer Annual number one gets a huge buy it. Yeah, I love this. I, I, I don't think Philip Kane is a bad artist, but I don't understand why they chose him to do this cover and not just give it to the art team. <laughs> yeah, know? it's just it baffling. so good. Baffling. get it. United States versus Murder, Inc. number one from DC slash Jinx World. Bendis and Oming return to their Murder, Inc. story that started in 2014 at Marvel. I completely forgot about this story, and right after reading this issue, I found myself revisiting the previous series. As much as I love Powers, I honestly think Murder, Inc. is this team's best work together. You are Bendis, kidding me. I'm dead serious. Really? Bendis' dialogue is pitch perfect, and Oming is wonderful storyboarding the Scorsese mobster film about a girl trying to become a hitman. It's got everything you love about Powers, including the gore and a kick-ass storyline. I'm giving it a buy it. I have to confess, I've never read it, but that's high praise. It's fantastic. Bully Wars, number one from Image. The school bully teams up with the school nerd when he finds out he's no longer the biggest fish in the pond. Scotty Young's script is a lot less funny than it thinks it is. Young is a very talented artist, but most of his writing projects have left me cold. Yeah, I would argue he's always a lot funnier than he thinks he is. He's always not as funny as he thinks he is. There you go. Yeah. Uh, see also his current run on Deadpool. Mm -hmm. Aaron Conley's manic 90s animation inspired art is great, though. 
and Jean-Francois Bulow blasts it with every color in the rainbow. It's not a bad concept. It's got really fun art. The writing just doesn't do it for me. I'm giving Bully Wars a skim it. As Guardians of the Galaxy number one from Marvel. Cullen Bunn gathers a group of unlikely Asgardians, including Throg, the Frog Thor, and Thunderstrike to find Gamora before she destroys the universe. Or whatever she's doing in the pages of Infinity Wars. While I don't care much for Shit, Infinity Wars. Is that Wars, what they were doing? Yeah, this was a fun team. And I didn't think I'd buy the Destroyer on this team at all until the reveal on the last page. Great and twist. Then, man, was I in. <laughs> Mateo Lolly's art is just fabulous here. As Guardians of the Galaxy gets a buy it. This is a series I did not think I would give a shit about. Uh, I really liked it as well, but also uh, Bun, Cullen Bunn leaned very heavily on his run on Fearless Defenders, which is a book like 10 people remember. Yeah, and so I had to Google search who those two characters were at the beginning. Yeah, but because, you know, good for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sell some trades. I, mean, I liked it. I liked it, and the art was great. We complain a lot about Cullen Bunn's uh, mainstream work. This was fun. This was great. Cover number one from Jinx World. Brian Michael Bendis' latest creator-owned project with DC is here. This time with Kabuki creator David Mack on the art duties. The concept of the CIA recruiting from the pool of globe-trotting comic book creators is kind of neat, but it's a bit self-indulgent as the main character and his friend are obvious stand-ins for Mac and Bendis. Probably in a slightly better physical condition. <laughs> Probably, yes. But this is supposedly, quote, sort of, based on a true story. So what do I know? <laughs> Max art is really beautiful, though, and I had fun with this when all was said and done. I'm giving cover number one a buy it. Yeah, I didn't think Mac would work really well in art like this because it isn't as like hardcore as all the other stories he's drawn. But I thought this was good. It was fun. David, hardcore? Are you kidding me? David Mac does like super flowery, like abstract painted stuff. Well, when I when I say hardcore, I mean as far as the story goes, it's always very intense and very dramatic and very sure. you know. Yeah, this was a lot more grounded. I would say. Yeah, flowery and romantic is what I'm. Kachink. Driving a pickup truck into an imposter, Mr. Fantastic, as seen in Marvel 2-in-1, number 9. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by John Tully via Facebook. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can drive through the front gate of the ziggurat and scream it at us, or you could just submit it to any of our social media or shoot us an email to twitternerd at gmail.com. We do have motion sensing cannons to keep all the various beasts away from the ziggurat. So I do not condone trying to drive through our front door. It's not going to work. It's not just football season. September begins Max's season of the spook. Season of the spook! Where he insists on forcing me to watch entire horror movie franchises while narrating the history of characters like the tall man from Phantasm. Tall man. And this today in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum. And today in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, Matt has fired up the sacred video disc player of Satorak to give me a lesson in the Puppet Master films. That's right, buddy. <laughs> but before this windbag starts preaching, Matt, can we please tell these nerds about our must-read picks for Wednesday, September the 12th? 
Absolutely. It's got to be quick. My pick is MCMLXXV, which is Roman numerals for 1975, number one, written by Joe Casey with art by Ian McCune. 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. Meet Pamela Evans, much more than a typical Manhattan cab driver. She also happens to be a badass monster fighter who wields an enchanted tire iron. Welcome to the year of her greatest adventure. I'm not going to read the rest because it's just saying Joe Casey and McEwen kick ass. Whatever. It's modern mythology for new generation. It reminds me of everything I love about Mage. And I love Joe Casey. He's a crazy person that writes crazy comics. There was a preview for this. And I want to say it was in the New World, number one. But I'm not positive. And that preview was kick ass. Pick this up. Joe Patrick, what's your pick? Is it from Image Comics? Yes. Okay, I don't think you said that. Oh, I did not say that. My pick for next week is Cemetery Beach, number one, also from Image Comics, written by Warren Ellis with art by Jason Howard. It's 24 pages for $3.99, which sounds like less than a bargain, but I doubt there's any ads in it. I bet there's no ads. Every page is action-packed. Here's your solicit. (laughs) From the creators of the acclaimed Trees graphic novels, which are currently being adapted for television. Who knew? You need to read them because Trees was so good. Yeah. Comes something completely different. A professional pathfinder, his only ally, a disaffected young murderess, breaks out of a torture cell in pursuit of his worst extraction scenario ever, escaping on foot across a sprawling and secret off-world colony established a hundred years ago and filled with generations of lunatics. <laughs> Jesus. Is that really the best they could come up with? Come on, guys. Uh, <laughs> Are you even trying anymore? <laughs> I really don't feel like I need to explain why I picked this. It's a no. new <laughs> I'm in. It's a new original concept from Warren Ellis. Jason Howard is an amazing artist. Yes. Trees is great. Uh, I'm 100% on board. This sounds like crazy fun. Yeah. The THN trade of the week goes to Purdy. It's a hardcover, volume number one from Image Comics, written and illustrated by Kickley. Kickley. Kickley? Kickley. K L I Y. Kickley. Kickley. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Kickley. There you go. 160 pages for $19.99. Here's your solicit Purdy loves two things sex and robbing banks. No particular order. After spending 15 years in a Yuma prison, Purdy wastes no time getting back into doing both. A lot has changed since Purdy's been away, especially her looks, but that's not going to stop her from piecing together the biggest score of gold this side of the border. And if anyone gets in her way, they'll be pushing up Petunias, a new Western series from Angulem Award winner and international star, Kickley. Angulem? It's I don't French. Know, I don't know no Kickley. Uh, well, apparently, they're a huge star. <laughs> okay. Good for Kickley. Uh, you know what? I will cool. admit that this is a huge blind spot in yeah. our... Uh, we're not good with European comics, period. We're just bad at it. We're, like, I, we're I, bad I at it, I'm, yeah. I think I'm better at Japanese comics than I am at European comics. And, like, I'm not making excuses. It's just that we don't try very hard to seek out things that are outside of the, like, normal preview books we get. Because we're close-minded uh, and, and we're... We don't uh, need no uh, other comics than American comics. And mainly it's because we're cheap. Particularly uh, written by white people. That's just us. You know how it goes. Yeah. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag comics great. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. There we uh, go. <laughs> listen. Okay. These are jokes. Please don't add us. <laughs> by don't the way, forget. This, uh, this, pardon me, this Sanctum Sanctorum was apparently brought to you by Image Comics. All yeah. image picks. 
Hat trick. I guess so. Image hat trick. There you go. Hockey reference. You're welcome. Oh, wow. Listen to do, you. Do, <laughs> I mean, yes, I know the most basic hockey terminology. <laughs> Don't forget, nerds, new comic book day is just one week away. So call your retailer and get these comics added to your pull file right this minute. Just out of curiosity, what is a hat trick? It's three goals by the same person in a row. Yes. Look at you. They call them players, but yes. <laughs> well, I, okay. I knew that. I know what a player is. All right. Good news, Joe. I've been secretly dosing you with knockoff Canadian Ritalin. So we'd be ready for this week's take a look. It's in a book segment. What's this shit called? Focus in? Yeah, baby. <laughs> Normally, I get pissed when you slip me a Mickey, but this last week has been great. Right? <laughs> I wasn't distracted at all I while know. we read Titan Comics' celebration of 50 years of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. That is an album by the Beatles with Bill Morrison's The Beatles Yellow Submarine graphic See, novel. I was getting to the Beatles part, but if you want to say it twice, that's fine. Beatles, Beatles, Beatles. <laughs> it's like when you, it's like Beetlejuice. You say it enough times and they appear. Yeah, the Beatles appear. Matt, the sky might be blue and the sea might be green, but what did you think of Bill Morrison's Yellow Submarine? When I was a very young lad, I moved back from Waco, Texas to Omaha, Nebraska, and I moved into my grandfather's home because my parents did not have a house yet, and I lived in my Uncle Dan's room and inherited his record collection. Wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me, let me add a little... In the time when I was born. Okay, that's great. Thank you. That's all we can legally do. I inherited my Uncle Dan's record collection, and there was one record that stood out for me because I was a comic book nerd, and I loved illustration, and that record was Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band because it was crazy design. It had this amazing photograph in the front, and then inside there were these bizarre animated drawings, and I found out later on that there was, in fact, like a full animated movie called The Yellow Submarine done by the same artist. And I could not get enough of it. It was psychedelic. It was totally bizarre. It was not well written. <laughs> it was full of puns and weird poetry. But that's what Sgt. Pepper was. It was the Beatles going their most psychedelic. They were on a bunch of drugs at the time, and they wrote this bizarre psychedelic album, the most bizarre song on that album being... The Yellow Submarine. And here, what's his name? Bill. I want Bill to say, Morrison. Thank you. I almost said Waterson. Here, Bill Morrison is reveling in that psychedelic ridiculousness. He is completely aping that design from the Yellow Submarine movie and telling us the story of the captain of the Yellow Submarine coming to recruit the Beatles to help him fight the Blue Meanies. Yeah, Fred. That is all you need to know about the story because there is almost... No story beyond. Yeah, right. It, it, you don't go into this to read a heart-wrenching tale of the Beatles saving, you know, <laughs> a land far beneath the sea. No. You go into it for the art, and the art is stunning. Absolutely 60s psychedelia stunning. Colors that leap off the page. Everything looks like this rounded edge that is drawn without ever taking the pencil from the paper 
every image just feeds into the next. And that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, it's serious. It's hypnotic. It's almost like an MC Escher painting on each page, the way that he panels everything together. It's, it's very much in the vein of the record. And I listened to a lot of Beatles while I read the book because I was just like, hey, why not? Let's see how far this guy was in. He was all the way in. And I thought, while this is a very simple and pretty stupid read at times with some really bad puns, that is what they did in every Beatles film you ever saw and in the Yellow Submarine cartoon. They thought that shit was hilarious. And this carries on in that same vein I had a lot more fun with this than I thought I would. It is a quick read, but it is so beautiful that I would absolutely give it a buy it. Joe, how did you feel? Okay, so this is the point, this is the sort of review where I start to feel guilty about our review system because I can't give this book a buy it. I feel like this is going to be such a specific. Wow, who's the gatekeeper now? No, no, no. Uh, (laughs) It's certainly not a leave it and it is not a slam on its quality. But But that's also what makes our review system shine is it barely makes sense. And we have to explain it every time we give anything any review. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. That's my favorite part of it. (laughs) I mean, this is the sort of book that's only going to appeal. That's only going to really speak to a certain type of reader. Absolutely. Um, I, I think any reader can pick it up and enjoy the artistry of it. There's no arguing that uh, the the drawings, the illustrations are phenomenal. Bill Morrison, I didn't know this dude had it in him. The guy's been drawing Simpsons comics for the last 30 years. Yeah, I had no clue. When I went and looked, I was like, really? He's got like a whole bevy of bongo work? <laughs> yeah, like I had okay. no idea that he was this sort of talent. And it's a beautiful book. It's beautiful. Um, And like I had fun reading it uh, and it had a lot of fun little like here's some Beatles lyrics. Oh, yeah. From a famous song that you've heard of. Plenty of Beatles lyric puns Um, all over the place. But it makes no sense. Like narratively, the story makes so little sense. Oh, yeah. Um, It's not supposed to. I I get it. That's part of the draw. That's part of the psychedelic nature of it. It's definitely going to be lost on some people. Yeah, this is a book for Beatles fans. And while I like the Beatles, like I am not like a super fan by any means. And like, I don't think I've ever listened to Yellow Submarine the whole way through. Or pardon me, um, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Club, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. In my top five best records of all time. I've never seen the movie. Um, but I do know that Yellow Submarine is on Revolver. Yes. I listened to Revolver while I read this book. Um, and I enjoyed myself. It was, it was a fun time, but I also recognize that it's a very niche project, uh, that's going to be very near and dear to certain people's hearts and the amount of heart and soul and blood and sweat and tears that Bill Morrison poured into this project is obvious and so please don't take it as a negative when I give it a skim it. It's just that I know that some people are going to look at that and go, what the fuck? No, I, I, no I mean, that makes sense. And you're not wrong. And to be fair, I just looked up Yellow Submarine was released as a single that was on a bunch of different albums, I guess. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. 
No, I, you're not wrong. And does it have like massive wide appeal? No, this is a book for Beatles fans and it's very much done in that style. It's and the sort of project that's going to, um, it's the sort of project that's going to speak differently to different types of readers. Yes. It's also a passion project by a creator that obviously put everything he had into this and just absolutely nailed it. In my opinion, I, I think he deserves a huge buy for that. But if you want to give it a skim it, you're a jerk. That's fine. Uh, you know what? I'll be the jerk. I've done it <laughs> once already this episode. So who cares? <laughs> So that is our review of Yellow Submarine from Titan Comics. We want to know what you guys thought of it. Did you pick it up? Did you go on a wild ride? Did you drop some LSD and like let the submarine take you to Pepperland? Did you end up in strawberry fields watching the girl with colitis go by? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, if you get a, if you catch our drift. Uh, I, can't we also, who, I can't remember who brought that up. Like forever, they thought it was the girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> well, it is the girl with kaleidoscope eyes. No, the girl with colitis goes by is what they thought it was. That's, that can't be right. Colitis is a butt disease. <laughs> oh, but it's kaleidoscope eyes. Yes, the actual lyrics okay, are the right. girl with kaleidoscope eyes. That's the joke. They thought they were singing the girl with colitis goes by. Okay, sorry. I didn't quite hear you over Come my... Come defo- stay with my, me here. <laughs> I didn't quite hear you over my faulty headphones. I'm sorry. <laughs> Of course, we also want to know if you have a graphic novel to recommend, so hit us up with your reviews and your recommendations. Email it to twoheadednerd at gmail.com or post it to the forums or to the Facebook page. We don't give a shit. Or go fuck yourself. Anywhere you can reach us, let us know. Excelsior! That is it for THN 499! But before we get out of here, Joe Patrick... Ask these nerds the question of the week. It's not new because we didn't answer it last week. So we're That's right. And thank you for yeah. catching that. I caught that. This week's question comes once again from New Guy via the THN forums. Who is gunning hard for Goocher status? Yeah, we'll just see about that new guy. I've gotten a lot of suggestions for good comics from my friends and this show. I just finished one, Punisher Born, which was one hell of an origin story. I'm beginning to think I've been spoiled by all the good books, and I want some true nerd wisdom. I've got 40 years of the comic book experience to catch up on, and that includes years of disappointment and anger. I need to be punished. I need to earn it. Wow. Can you tell me the worst origin story you've read? I don't care why it's bad, if it's got bad writing, if it's featuring a pointless character, if it's a stupid retcon, Whatever. If I can find it, I'll read it so I can get some goddamn perspective. Bonus points if it's on Marvel Unlimited so I don't have to pay extra for that shiz if I don't have to. There you go. Now, however, we are saying do not limit yourself to Marvel Unlimited. No, 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 no. We want to hear the worst of the worst. The worst origins you can think of. We want to hear it. THN is a listener-supported podcast. We want to thank all you jabronis that feed your cash into the THN sausage grinder by donating the show on PayPal and Patreon. Without you nerds, we can't afford our own goddamn sense of perspective. Huh? I know. Uh, real quick housekeeping note. We are going to take a planned extra one-week break between this show and the epic THN 500. 
So truth it is, I'm going to New York for the Italian festival. <laughs> yeah. Also, we want to plan something very special. So yeah, yeah. don't Joe's be sad. Joe's going to plan something very special while I'm gone. Yeah, boy, I do all <laughs> the heavy lifting. Before we go, though, our weekly shout out goes to stately Lord Fungus, who, despite constant pain, is training for a charity 5K race to fund Parkinson's research. The race is called Bud's Run. And it happens on October 21st. Until then, Fungus is raising a modest 500 pounds. That's like 50 bucks American. Uh, I don't know if it's 50 or if it's like $50,000. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really know. It's one of the two. <laughs> depending <laughs> depending on the strength of the yen, I'm not quite sure. But I think there's shekels over there. Yeah, actually. I think that we can help him blow right past that goal. I'm going to put the link to the fundraiser not only in this week's show notes, but you can also find it in the announcements of the THN Facebook fan page, and it is pinned to the top of the official Two-Headed Nerd Facebook page. There you go. You've got three options and no excuses. Word to you, Stately, you are a good bloke. And you wouldn't be in so much pain if you didn't try breaking into the ziggurat. That is your fault, I'm afraid. Until next time, true believers! Remember to pre-order your comic. You might just have to run a 5K to get away from your huffing and puffing retailer. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.